Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort, and welcome to a special edition of the program. Today, we're um, going to take a sideline from our normal interviews with public transportation CEOs, where we talk about their lives and careers, their current projects, and the future projects they've got. And we're taking an in-depth dive into what's happening in Memphis, Tennessee, you know, the home of Elvis and Great Barbecue, and my good friend Gary Rosenfeld, who's CEO of the Memphis Area Transit Authority. You might recall Gary uh, and I worked together many years ago at Laidlaw Transportation. He's been in industry a long time like I have. And now he finds himself head of this important transit authority in Tennessee. Today, I'm diving into his project, which is a way to get more funding for public transportation in Memphis and in the county that the city of Memphis sits in, which is Shelby, Tennessee. So today, Gary takes us in depth and behind the scenes at uh, what's been happening there over the last couple months as they've looked for a way to find $10 million to increase funding for public transportation there. You might recall another city in Tennessee a couple years ago got a lot of notoriety over a funding referendum which did not pass when the voters in Nashville turned it down. Here, it's, it's a little bit different. It's not a referendum. It's actually the county commissioners of Shelby County are considering an increase of funding, and that effort's being led politically by the mayor, Lee Harris. And we're also going to interview Lee today. We talked to him in his offices in Memphis, Tennessee about his passion for public transportation and why he wants to see the Memphis Area Transit Authority's routes get better. What do we mean by get better? We mean increase frequency, which has been a single note song that many transit agencies have been singing for the last year, which is the way to increase ridership is to you know reboot your routes and to increase the frequency of some of your routes and to reduce friction by bus-only lanes, transit signal priority, or having uh, off-board fare payment, those kind of things. And so that's what Gary wants to do in the the mayor wants to do is they want to take some of these routes that service uh, Shelby County and they're on one hour headways and they want to cut them back and maybe make them half hour headways to better serve people there in this county, which has a has a, a high poverty rate, even though it's the largest county in Tennessee. And so they want to use transit as an economic development tool to improve the situation of the workers and the businesses in the community by creating more high frequency transit. It's going to cost $10 million and uh, they're looking at possibly adding increasing the vehicle registration fee or even some other ways to get the money. And it's happening right now in Shelby, Tennessee. The county commission there is considering it. It's in committee and we're right in the heart of it on this special in-depth look of how transit funding increases are happening across North America by taking uh, a special deep dive into one of our favorite cities in the country, Memphis, Tennessee. I think you'll enjoy this look and maybe take some lessons from it for your city or your region of how you might be able to increase funding for your transit system and improve the service for all. What does it mean to be a successful public transit agency? What are you doing to lead the way? It's time to learn from the top transit professionals in North America. This is Transit Unplugged with your host, Paul Comfort. This is Transit Unplugged, and today I'm happy to be with Gary Rosenfeld, who is Chief Executive Officer of the Memphis Area Transportation Authority. Uh, Matta, Gary, thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Paul, for having me back. I appreciate it. Yep. So today we're here for a special episode. This is the first time we've ever included someone other than a transit executive. Gary is a transit executive, but on today's episode, we're also having the mayor of Shelby County, which is where Memphis is at. And we're going to be talking about a special subject that Gary is near and dear to his heart, and that is funding for public transportation. Right, Gary? 
I, I don't know of a single CEO that doesn't think about it 24 hours a day. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Gary, tell me a little bit about Memphis itself and the uh, the transit system that you uh, oversee there, and the structure of how the board and the financial situation is structured. Sure, Paul. So, Mata is a is a transit authority. We have about a three hundred and forty square mile service area and a MSA population of roughly one point two one point three million people. The organization is funded through a combination of federal and state funds that uh, I'm sure everybody's aware of, and then local general fund money coming from the city of Memphis. Yet our service stretches and has region impact. The city of Memphis is the only local uh, source of funding. So our budget, our annual operating budget is about $65 million. About 50% of it comes from the city of Memphis, and then our other federal and state stakeholders make up the difference. The problem that we have is, is that the city of Memphis general fund is, is tapped out. Uh, they can't expand our, 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 uh, the money that they are spending, which is very generous, but at the same time, not enough. And the demand for service here is, is huge. We have uh, in the greater Shelby County and Memphis area, you know, one of the highest uh, poverty rates in, in the country. Uh, the official poverty rates uh, uh, pegged at about 27.5%. And, uh, well, I translate that to mean that closer to 40, 45% of our population is actually struggling in order to, to make ends meet because the, the poverty rate is, you know, uh, what, $10,000, $12,000 a year, and then um, uh, add things on top of that. So uh, today in Memphis, it can take anywhere from two to two and a half hours, even three hours to get from one end of the city to the other utilizing public transportation. We go everywhere, but we don't do it very often. So as a result, you know, people are on the bus for a 30 minute ride and then they're waiting for an hour for a connection and then waiting for an hour for another connection. So we're asking folks that are struggling in poverty to begin with to uh, spend four to six hours a day commuting for an $8 an hour or an eight hour job that pays uh, not much better than minimum wage potentially. So, uh, you know, it's just not an equitable way to move people around. It's not a real good way to move, to connect people with job opportunities. So a couple of years ago, MATA created what's known as Transit Vision. It was in response to a public demand through the Memphis 3.0 Comprehensive Land Use Plan development, which is great, uh, for greater, better public transportation. The goal of the transit vision is to allow people to get from point A to point B in an hour or less, 80% of the time. Okay. And, and uh, um, uh, the, the plan has a $30 million price tag. Uh, meaning that we need 30 million more local dollars in order to make this plan work. And what it does is it expands the service day. It creates high-frequency, high-capacity services, and it greatly reduces the, uh, the waiting time in between buses. So it shifts the focus. Today, our focus is about 60% of our resources are geared towards coverage in the city, in okay. the community, and 40% of our resources are dedicated to frequency. The new plan changes that to 70% resources towards frequency and 30% coverage. Okay. That doesn't mean that we're eliminating service to communities. It just means that we're shifting the focus 
to where we can deliver the most service to the most people and have the largest impact. The end result is, is that access to jobs you know, goes up by 49%. Access to uh, high-frequency transit service goes up by double digits as well. And we're able to meet that goal, if you will, of getting people where they need to go in an hour or less 80% of the time. Wow, that's great. What a great plan. I'm, I know you're aware of, I think we've had the conversation in the past of studies that have shown that one of the greatest ways to lift people out of poverty is to give them you know, reliable transportation that doesn't take forever to get to the job. So that's exactly what you're trying to do, right? Right. And then if you, if you tack on to that future economic development that you know, every community is trying to attain, you know, we, we're all very much aware, aware that the millennial population is seeking, is changing the way they do things and they have a different approach. They're not necessarily interested in car ownership. They're not necessarily interested in suburban residential communities. They are interested in re-urbanizing the core, if you will, and utilizing things like public transportation to, to get around. Um, the reasons for it are wide-ranging, whether it be, you know, uh, overburdened on student debt or just a general uh, recognition of how of what a great life an urban downtown area can offer people. That's fantastic. Another often overlooked segment of the population, Paul, that is growing that will be a, a big thing for public transit in the near future is the baby boomers. The baby boomers also are looking at shedding themselves of, of suburban life repopulating the urban areas and enjoying the, the life that urban living can bring to things, but also they're dropping cars. I believe uh, there's a study that shows that the number, you know, uh, baby boomers, those over 65, are the fastest growing segment of the population that don't drive. And uh, so, so as, we, as we prepare for the future, we have to recognize all of these things coming together, and we have to have a, a transit system and, and mobility within our communities that, that addresses not just the needs for the poor, but the needs for our, our up-and-coming generation, our future leaders of our, of our communities, and our senior citizens, so that we uh, provide mobility options for people that that sustain an economic ec economic activity in our communities and even promote economic growth. That's wonderful. And of course, Memphis has such a dynamic downtown area. And it's one of the coolest cities in America, in my opinion, with the music you've got going on there. Some of the best, I know you would argue the best barbecue in America. I'll say some of the best barbecue. <laughs> Apartment Guide uh, just came out uh, number one in, in the country for Very good. Uh, so the hits keep on keep on coming, and, and yeah, we're pretty proud of our barbecue. We're pretty proud of our university. We're pretty proud of of all things Memphis and, and Shelby County. And we're very proud of uh, of uh, the county commission for giving us some consideration for funding as we work through this. Well, let's talk about that as we wrap this up. So basically, you've got your public funding coming from the city of Memphis, but your transit service serves the whole county of Shelby County. So this is an opportunity for Shelby County to put some money up that's that's come up before the county commission and it has support of the county mayor, Lee Harris. Yeah, Mayor Harris ran on uh, one of his uh, issues that he ran on was enhancing public transportation. And it's important to note that the city of Memphis makes up about 70 percent of Shelby County. So, yeah. so uh, Memphis has a big footprint. And we recognize that uh, transit affects everyone in a county, regardless of whether or not you actually ride a bus or train or any or any transit instrument. You benefit from reduced congestion, improved environmental results, and and such. 
are suburban communities. Currently, their makeup is, uh, you know, that there are a lot of people that have moved there, and yet a large percentage of those folks commute into the urban core, if you will, to uh, for jobs and and uh, and. Uh, recreation um, and services. Uh, county services are all here. City services are all here. The airport is in Memphis. The river is more in Memphis than any other part of the of the community. And you mentioned Beale Street and entertainment and the FedEx Forum and all these all these different areas. There's always a part of life that that revolves around Memphis itself, regardless of where you live in the county. So it makes sense for the county to participate in helping to fund a better transit system in our community so that we meet all the goals and objectives in our in our community and that we plan for the future. We have a 2040 livability study that was issued by the uh, MPO in our area that demonstrates that there will be a huge increase in the amount of freight traffic that we have in, in the area. Why is that important? Freight in Memphis affects everybody. There's a, a nice little company called FedEx that's based yeah. in Memphis that is heavily dependent on matching freight opportunity to the airport, if you will. And uh, so we have to be looking towards the future to not just enhance what we do for people and moving moving people around, but reducing the demand of cars on the roadways so that we can ensure that freight continues to move in an expeditious manner and get to the airport, get to the rail, get to the river, get to wherever it needs to go to, to help serve that problem, serve, the, serve those issues. So it, it, it's a multi-pronged approach and I applaud the county for considering it. And I think that uh, uh, we will uh, work our way through uh, uh, any any obstacles that there might be and, and enjoy the fact that Shelby County for the first time will provide operating assistance. It is a legacy opportunity for the commissioners and the mayor. They will, you know, if if the funding gets happening, which I, I'm, I'm about 99% sure it, it will, um, it, it will be a legacy moment for Shelby County government and, and the mayor. And it will be the first step in uh, a long trend of defunding public transportation and changing it around, allow us to go from cutting service mode all the time to now we're adding new products and here's new shiny stuff that, that people can be proud of. And, and community, the community will look at public transportation as an asset. That's wonderful. Well, Gary, we wish you uh, much luck and as your uh, Board of Commissioners continues to consider this. Uh, I know as of this recording today, it's in a committee and they're reviewing it. And uh, we'll be talking to the mayor after this part of the interview and we'll get his take on his vision for the future and what he sees and, and his commitment to promoting public transportation in your county and in your city. Great to chat with you, Paul. Look forward to talking to you, with you more in the future. Today, I'm excited to have with us in part two of this two-part interview, Mayor Lee Harris, who is mayor of Shelby County, Tennessee, which includes the city of Memphis. Mayor, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks a lot for having me. This is an important time for your county and your city. Of course, Memphis is, uh, for me, it's you know it's the home of Elvis, and for a lot of people in America, we, we think of Beale Street and all the fun stuff there in Memphis, but people have to get around down there too, right? <laughs> No, that's right. No doubt about it. People do have to get around. And so we're fighting really hard right now to get the county to invest in transit for the very first time. That's wonderful. So before we get right into the details of that proposal and what's happening, let's set a context in the background, the milieu of what's happening there in in Tennessee. Of course, you know, uh, the city of Nashville 
was uh, in the transit world kind of got uh, famous um, a couple years ago when their voters voted down a referendum to increase right. funding for transportation. And of course, they've rebounded from that and they've got lots of new plans. But I know Memphis in this in, in what's happening in your town and in your city there in the whole county, Memphis has uh, invested in transit. The city has, but you represent the whole county, right? So tell us the political structure and how it works and your role in it. That's right. So I'm the mayor of Shelby County. Shelby County is the largest county in our state. There are about 950,000 people that live in our county. There are seven cities uh, within Shelby County. The largest city in Shelby County, the county seat, is, of course, Memphis. And so Memphis, the city of Memphis, ordinarily uh, leads when it comes to public transit and leads when it comes to funding at the local level our public transit system, which is called Memphis Area Transit Authority. Historically, the county has um, you know done other things. The county does health care. Uh, it does education. It does, uh, when it comes to public safety, it does detention, but the county hasn't funded uh, transit in the past. But the county is a large organization, kind of like the city of Memphis. There are about 5,000 employees, county employees, and there are probably about 6,500 city employees. So we're both really big local governments. We sit right across the street from one another uh, in downtown Memphis, but the city has, over the years, just taken responsibility for transit without county involvement. And so we have been pitching the county commission for the last six months that now is the right time for the county to get involved in transit. That's good. So people that aren't familiar with the form of government in Tennessee, would your role be similar to, let's say, a county executive here in Maryland where you have a county commission or a county council and then a full-time executive? That's exactly right. So we've got a full-time county mayor, which is the equivalent of the county executive, and then I have a county commission. They're part-timers. So I've got 13 county commissioners, and each one of those county commissioners represents you know, part of our you know, million-person county. So the city of Memphis, while they have their own mayor, they're actually part of, assumed by, your county, Shelby County. That's right. So we've got, like I say, nearly a million people in Shelby County. About 660,000 of them live within the city of Memphis. And then we've got six other um, municipalities. And in addition to that, we have an unincorporated area. Okay. So in the past, according to what Gary told me in the previous interview, um, Gary Rosenfeld, who's the chief executive officer of MATA, he told me that uh, the, the, the city of Memphis is very supportive financially of MATA service, but MATA serves more than just the city. Is that right? Well, MATA is critical uh, for our region. In other words, we've got to move people around our region and get them more access to jobs. So I mentioned a moment ago that we have nearly a million people in our county, but one of the problems is is we have a really high poverty rate. So we're one of the largest counties in the state, but we're also the county with the largest impoverished population. So we have 200,000 people that live in poverty, and our poverty rate is actually worsening over time. Part of the solution uh, to that worsening poverty rate is making sure that we can get people around town and get them access to jobs. Uh, And part of that is uh, an investment by the county uh, in transit. That's kind of what we're working on right now. We've made a pitch to the county commission to invest about $10 million per year in dedicated funding to transit. Uh, That may seem like, uh, uh, you know, uh, much smaller than the national plan, but for us, that's a big deal. And it sets the stage for future investment. So if the county were to invest $10 million a year in favor of transit, uh, we would get board seats on the matter board, and we would be able to have uh, set the stage for a future plan. We could talk about things like light rail and even more investment uh, by, by the county in favor of transit. So you know, we're, we're working real hard. Uh, MATA, as you may know, because you talked to Gary, MATA has about a $60 million a year budget right now. If they got another $10 million, it could 
be, you know, uh, the start of something transformative. Obviously, they need a whole lot more money. We all know across the United States, uh, transit agencies need a lot more money. But to go from 60 to 70 million uh, in, in, in one year and also, for the first time, have a dedicated funding source because the rest of their funding source, sources are somewhat variable, to have a dedicated funding source would be a really, really great precedent and set the stage for us to finally turn uh, transit around and start getting transit in a growth mode where it can think about how to increase frequency and how to really deliver on some of the plans they have put forward in the past. Yeah. So uh, how much money does Shelby County put into MATA now? Is, it, is there any funds coming in or is it? Zero, zero. Oh, so every wow. once in a while, there's a one-off. Every once in a while, there may be a $50,000 grant here or there. But generally, we have nothing set aside in the budget to fund uh, transit. Yeah, so this is mind-blowing for commissioners, this idea that we could be engaged in transit. But everybody knows, you know, transit, transportation, job access, those are all regional issues. And right. so it is actually it is actually the place of the county to get involved in transit. So we want to add it to our portfolio. I think that's wonderful. And it's great that you as, a, as the mayor and the political leader in the area are, are pushing for this so hard. So the service does serve, though, outside the city of Memphis, all over your county, right? Just not very, the service frequency isn't high enough where you want it to be. Is that right? The service, yeah, is all over, but the frequency is not very good. So MATA has 44 bus routes, and many of those bus routes only travel, uh, only, only, uh, only come once an hour. Right. And so if you're relying on that bus route to get to a job, well, you can't rely on it because the buses take too long. And in some cases, it takes you more than an hour to wait on a particular bus. And so people who want to get to work uh, can't rely on the system. At the same time, they can't afford a car on their own. The average cost of a car per year around here is about $9,000 a year. The average salary for our average income for the people that take a bus around here is about $14,000 a year. So with an average salary of about $14,000 a year for our bus riding population, they can't afford a car. And they also can't uh, reasonably rely on MATA to get job access and get themselves uh, opportunity and in most cases get themselves out of poverty. So we've got to do a better job of increasing frequency so people who need MATA and rely on MATA can use it so they can get job access and won't have to try to find a way to go in debt to maintain a car that they can't afford in the first place. That makes sense. A lot of agencies across the country are doing similarly. They are uh, increasing frequency. It's one of the top trends, actually, of 2019 headed into 2020 is uh, transit systems, what I call rebooting their bus network, you know, kind of starting from scratch, taking a look at the whole thing and re- doing some rerouting like, like Nashville did recently, but also mm-hmm. adding frequency uh, to some of those routes because you're right, hour-long, hour headways now just don't work for people anymore. They, they at least need to be a half hour or in some cases in the heavier routes, even 15 minutes. And so my understanding is you're not talking about doing any like um, – I don't want to, uh, out of the box, you know, crazy things with this money. You just want to increase frequency and make the transit service more reliable and more efficient for people in the area. Is that right? That's right. We, we want to increase frequency. Our goal is to fund the transit planning document, which is called Transit Vision. And Transit Vision obviously has several phases, but the early phases, the early implementation uh, stages call for increased frequency. So that's another thing that comes up in transit, and I know it all too well now because I'm in the heat heart of this debate, is that everybody has a bright idea <laughs> around how the money that the county might invest in MATA, how it should be used. Uh, and so everybody wants to 
route on their street in front of their house and the driver to get out of the car, go to their bedroom, pick them up and <laughs> bring them to the bus. Right? right. Right. But the issue is not to substitute our judgment from the experts and the work that has already been done. And so Transit Vision reflects uh, substantial community engagement, substantial expertise about how we should deploy any new investment. And so what the document calls for is increasing frequency. And so I have suggested to the county commission that we should follow what is outlined in Transit Vision. That is to say, all the money that we invest in MATA should go to fund increased frequency because that's what the best minds around here have suggested we should uh, be doing with that early investment. That's awesome. So now let's talk about where the money is going to come from. I understand that you had a, um, we're recording this in the middle of January and it'll be aired by the end of January. So where are you at in the process and what are the proposals that are on the table now, if you can share them with us? Yeah, so we've been talking about this for five or six months now, and I hope we're getting closer. We certainly are working hard to try to bring together lots of perspectives and get a get a get a deal done with the county commission. So it started in September, and in September the first proposal we put out there, which was was really really innovative, and it was the idea that hey, let's put a new fee on those folks that have more than two cars registered. So I call it a sustainability fee. Most of the press called it a third car fee. So the idea here is that if you have three cars or more, that you probably have three drivers or more. If you have three drivers or more, then you probably are uh, using our infrastructure, our roads and so forth, more than people with zero cars or people with one or two cars. Remember, the largest source of greenhouse gas emissions is passenger vehicles. So those folks with three three or more cars, you know, again, are kind of, you know, using our resources, our public resources, our shared environment, a lot more than folks with zero or one or two cars. And so we said, given that, let's go ahead and put an extra registration fee on those households with three or more cars. So the extra registration fee was about a, was, was, was exactly $145. And if we put $145 on the 60,000 households that had three or more cars, we'd raise you know, nearly the $10 million that we needed from MATA. And then we had some other, other sources of revenue that we were willing to put into the pot. So that was the original proposal. Of course, that's really innovative. That's not being done anywhere else in America. But what is being talked about all over the place in America is how do you put a price on carbon? And so that's what the sustainability fee was. It was to say, hey, here's one idea how you put a price on carbon and match problem solution. If the problem is traffic congestion, which we know in Memphis and Shelby County, our traffic congestion is going to worsen over time. If the problem is how do we keep our roads and infrastructure repaired and in good working order, given what we know is coming in the future. Uh, If the problem is the deterioration of our environment and Memphis and Shelby County have uh, an F from the American Longest Association, then let's see if we can press in the service some of the cause of that problem, which is passenger vehicles, into a solution. And if we know the solution is, is in part transit, let's see if we can get those passenger vehicles, the people that own most of them or own a lot of them, to fund transit. Transit helps us to reduce traffic congestion. It is very friendly for the environment, and it gives us a path forward uh, for thinking about how to preserve our infrastructure. In fact, it's part, of our, it's part of infrastructure. And so it was an effort to match problem and solution, so that was the first idea. Obviously, when you operate on the, on the frontier, innovate and operate on the frontier, it's going to make a lot of heads explode. <laughs> so, you know, we dealt with that. Uh, and at this point, we have kind of uh, 
backed off of that, and we are more or less having a public discussion now about putting a registration fee on every vehicle that's registered in Shelby County. So we have about 700,000 vehicles registered in Shelby County, and the idea is, well, maybe we go up on the registration fee by $20. If we put $20 on 700,000 vehicles and we raise, you know, upwards of $13, $14 million in new revenue, and that can be dedicated exclusively to MATA is where, where that was. Okay. That itself has created an opportunity to do another deal where we actually use that registration fee to not just fund MATA, but also some of our other needs. So we also have a public safety need. I mean, this is a pretty high crime environment, and it's an issue that is top of mind for many of the residents. And so we have some real public safety needs. And so, as I said, the $200 fee generates uh, $14 million when the, the plan was more or less $10 million a year for MATA. So maybe some of that extra money can be used for public safety. So that's where the discussion is right now is a fee on all cars registered, and maybe some of that that excess going to fund some of our public safety needs. So this is a very interesting topic because a lot of cities across America are looking at ways to fund expansion and fund improvements in their transit system. And so we're kind of getting a granular look, you know, at the ground level, right in the middle. We're in the eye of the storm here, so to speak, right in the middle of the process. Tell us uh, what the process is going forward. Folks that will be listening to this at the end of January, early February, what's the timeline and what's the process of moving this proposal forward? So we've got to get a supermajority vote on the county commission, and we have to get a supermajority vote because it would be an increase in fees, mm-hmm. and Tennessee is a conservative state, and you know under state law, anytime you raise fees anywhere in the state of Tennessee, anytime the local government raise, raises fees, the local legislative body has got to approve that increase by a two-thirds vote. So for us, that means we've got to get nine county commissioners. The county commissioners are elected on, on a partisan basis. Right now, we've got eight Democrats on the commission, five five Republicans. And so we've got to get at least one, if not two Republicans to vote for a fee increase in order to meet the supermajority requirement and get this item passed. It also has to be uh, read and voted on and approved twice. And so we have not had our first reading yet. We're getting real close. <laughs> we were, we've been in committee a bunch of times and uh, we're going to go back to committee uh, in a week or so, uh, maybe a little bit more than a week. We're going back to committee and hopefully we'll make it out of committee and then have a couple of readings before the full commission. So we're probably uh, if everything goes well, we're probably 30 to 45 days away from the commission being in a position to cast a final vote on an all-car registration fee to fund MATA and public safety. I read some uh, newspaper article or two about the process going forward, and it sounded like, according to the newspaper, you're getting a lot of public support for this effort. Is that true? We've been able to build a coalition. So this is really, really tough work uh, because MATA, it has about 7 million riders a year, about 20,000 a day. But when you have a community that's a million people, uh, 20,000 riders a day is only 2% of the population. So 2% of the population, 20,000 people took a bus today, but 98% of our population did not take a bus. And so it's very hard to connect up the transit need for the 98% that didn't take the bus today. And so part of what we knew we'd have to do in order to even, you know, get heard at all was to build a, a vast coalition around transit and that transit is an important uh, asset in a community if that community is going to grow, particularly a city. And, you know, we're in an urban county. Uh, you know, uh, so if we're going to grow, we got to have transit. So we've been building that 
that coalition for months, and it's starting to have some, some to bear some fruit. So that coalition, like you say, includes lots of different organizations and perspectives. So we've got the business community that seems uh, pretty invested in making sure that we get some investment in transit at this time. So the Chamber of Commerce has participated in some of the discussions. Federal Express, which is our largest employer, has participated in some of the discussions. We've also been able to partner with our faith-based umbrella organization, which is called MICA. And MICA is a association of, you know, I don't know how many churches, you know, many, many churches in town. And they have formally endorsed and supported an investment in transit and the path forward that we currently have before commissioners. So we've got MICA, faith-based. We've got the chamber and business crowd that are generally supportive, that now is the time. We've got, you know, unions that are supportive and lots of folks that are lots of folks that have come out and support. You know, still still transit. I still am working with I'm still working in a community where ninety eight percent of people didn't take a bus. And so that's always, you know, means that I've got to constantly make the case that this is about job access and, and about reducing the poverty rate and about protecting our preserved environment, protecting our shared environment. But we're getting there. I mean we're 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 really getting there. There's also a bus riders union. So the bus riders union has been my toughest my toughest group to win over. And the bus riders union is a group that started many, many years ago here in Memphis, and they have been advocating for investment in transit for many years, uh, but they have not liked so far any of the plans that have been discussed. It's a very small advocacy organization, but we've been working on them, and we're hopeful that before this is done, we'll even be able to bring them into the fold. But yeah, we do have a really, really vast, really large coalition at this point that is supporting an investment in transit right now. You sound very passionate about this cause, which is it's awesome. Tell us just in the last few minutes here a little bit about your background and what brought you into this position. I, I think you were a state senator before this and what light went on in your head or whatever you want to say that made you think, you know what, um, if I'm going to be invested with the responsibility of being a political leader, I need to do what's good for everyone in my community. And that includes this. I mean, tell us a little about yourself and what brought you to this position. So that's right. So yeah, I've been in politics for a while now, eight years in elected office. So I was on the Memphis City Council, and then I was in the state Senate, served in the state Senate for four years. And now I've been in this office, and so I've been in this office for about a year and a half or so. But no doubt about it, I got into politics because I wanted to change lives. I mean, there's lots of ways to change lives, to be sure. But I believe politics and government is one way to do it. Uh, and local government, I mean, this is a community I care about, and local government is the platform to really get engaged on a whole lot of different issues. And so I was already operating at the state Senate, state Senate us a little bit removed from some of this. I was traveling back and forth to Nashville for that service and decided, hey, I want to be back in local government again. Because remember, I served on the Memphis City Council to start. Right. I just said, hey, I want to be back in local government again. and ran for county mayor. And so we've been pushing these issues about how we really transform and advance the community since I've been in office. Very good. Well, I think you're an excellent spokesman for the cause as well as uh, the leader there. And uh, thank you so much for sharing with us some of the insights of all the machinations that are going around around this. And we'll be certain to uh, stay in tune with you and your staff and with Gary to see how things go. And we'll let our listeners know what the outcome of this is. And we wish you very much success in all that you're working on there to promote transportation in your area. Very good. Thanks a lot, Paul. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Transit Unplugged, powered by Trapeze Group. To stay up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or join the conversation at transitunplugged.com. Thanks for listening.